Krishna. Uh, for those who are watching through Facebook, which is Muka Granta, um, <laughs> and of course I'm speaking by Muka Kala <laughs> to the program Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro, for those who are or who are not in Murfreesboro, there's a very beautiful devotee community led by the powerful Singh family. Nitai Gora Sundar, his wife Matsyavatar, and their illustrious children. Shruti, Abhishek, and, and Manjuri. So they're having a program tonight, and they requested me to speak on the Bhagavad Gita 13.4. And since they, you know, transferred a suitable amount of money to my PayPal, PayPal account, <laughs> I will actually do it. I'm just kidding, actually. I'm doing <laughs> so uh, let's let's uh, jump in. First thing I'd like to do about Bhagavad Gita 13.4 is put it in context. It's like, where does this, why is this verse being spoken at this particular time? And uh, so Arjun actually raised the topic. So I'm just going to, it's 13.4, so I'll briefly uh, explain what leads up to that. Arjun said, So Arjun is asking a very philosophical question. Apparently, he's not thinking about the battle right now and, and trying to get away from it. He's really going deeply into philosophy. So he, he wants to know, he says, Eta, this, Veditum, to know, Ichami, I want, I want to know this. So he wants to know Prakriti, what is nature, Purusha, what is the person, the conscious person, what is the field, and who is the knower of the field, and what is knowledge, and what is to be known, Gaya. And then the Lord said, Idang Sharinam Konteya, this body Konteya, Chetram Itya designated as the field, Chetram. In one who knows it, one who knows this, Tangpra, who they call that person, Chetragya, the field knower. Those who know these things call one who knows all this, the field knower. So this is very sort of not esoteric, but it's um, very philosophical. One of the, chapter 13 is one of the most uh, sort of technically philosophical parts of the Gita. And then in 13, 3, Krishna says, He know that I too am, the, am a field knower, but sarva chetreshu varata, in all fields varata. Chetra chetragya your jnanam, so knowledge of the field and the field knower, yatta jnanam, that is knowledge. I consider that to be knowledge. <clears throat> so this is what leads up to it. And so having answered Arjun's questions about what is nature, what is the Purusha, well, he says that um, this body is the field. So then Krishna says in 13.4, Tatshetram, that field, yacha, what it is, yadriksha, sort of what kind of thing it is. Or as Prabhupada says, how it is constituted, yadvikari. Uh, what its transformations are, yet that's its origin. 
Saja Joja Prabhavascha, uh, what its influences are. Let's see how, how does Prabhupada translate that. Um, Deprabhavas, yeah, what its influences are. And uh, Tat that briefly or in summary, Meshanu, hear from me. So, it, it, an interesting question here is why is Krishna going into all these technical details about the body? And why is he, you know, what it is, what kind of thing it is? and where it comes from and everything. Because I think the reason is, the reason that Krishna's going into all this philosophical detail is that um, the body, including the subtle body, the mind and the gross body, uh, that is our reality right now. Even though, I mean, we are transcendentalists, we are trying to understand the soul. And I think we are understanding the soul more and more and coming closer to Krishna. But in our day-to-day -day life, uh, the body, for example, having a masculine or feminine body make, is, is a difference. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it, you know, some things are different if you're a man and different if you're a woman. Uh, and uh, the family we're born into, obviously that's also very important. We have a bodily connection to a certain family. And uh, we have a certain, the body, has a particular ethnicity or race or, and all these things influence us. We grow up within a particular reality, within a particular, and, uh, or even just what kind of body you have, what, what ages your body and uh, what propensities your body has and, and all these things. And, and, and not to speak of the mind, the subtle body, what, what kind of mind you have. So, so we are really operating from the body and the and the and the mind, and we are engaging the body and mind in Krishna's service and Krishna consciousness to transcend it. So it's sort of like fight fire with fire. We're using our body and mind in devotional service so that we can realize our true self beyond the body and mind. So uh, that reminds you of something Krishna says, I think, in chapter two, where he says. Uh, that uh, even boudoir, uh, uh, that, that you should even boudoir, even boudoir, parang boudoir, that we should use our intelligence to find out what is beyond intelligence, which is a very interesting statement. Uh, Krishna says that in, actually, it's chapter 3. It's the last verse of chapter 3, chapter 343, where, where Krishna first says that, um, Krishna first says that the, that the senses are beyond just gross matter, they say, and that beyond the senses is the mind, and then above the mind is intelligence, and, uh, and he, the soul, the soul is that which is be, beyond intelligence. So then Krishna says, Avam parang Thus, using your intelligence to understand what is beyond intelligence. And so, in the same way, we are using our body 
in devotional service to find out what is beyond the body. And so I think, therefore, Krishna is talking about the body here as an instrument of self-realization, as something which you absolutely need to engage in self-realization. And so, um, one second here. That's uh, was 13, 4. I'm just going back to the... Uh, 13.4. So after that, Krishna is going to say, Rishi Bir Bahuda Gitam. This is sung about or chanted or, or explained in many ways by the sages, Chandu Bir by various mantras, Brahma Sutra Padais Chaiva, by the verses of the Brahma Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra, Hetu Madhir which are ascertained with cause and effect. And so Krishna. I think what's going on here is, is that by philosophizing our body and mind or by philosophizing about our body and mind, that creates distance, detachment, separation. It's like in uh, you know sports, basketball and football, they want to create separation. So I mean we have to we have to create separation, at least conceptual separation. We can't separate ourselves in the body. That would technically be suicide which is not advised, but we have to, so Krishna is talking here about intellectual or philosophical separation by hearing about the body and mind philosophically from Krishna himself, we can start to look at it as something which is not us. I'm not my body. I am not my mind. The body and mind are simply these objects which are probably more than is healthy defining my life. And um, I have to, by applying philosophy, divine philosophy, coming directly to, from Krishna, by applying philosophy to the body and mind, uh, I can realize that I am the person who is philosophizing about the body and mind. I'm the person that's talking about them based on Krishna's teachings, and I'm not the body and mind. They're simply objects of my philosophical inquiry, and they're simply... Uh, objects that Krishna is explaining, and I am understanding the body and mind, but I'm not the body and mind. I'm different. I'm the soul. And so that's uh, what I would say about that. So uh, I hope uh, you all got your money's worth. <laughs> and as you know, with you know, with this gurus, there are no refunds. <laughs> that's the dangerous thing about you know approaching this guru. So. So, any questions on these points? My question is that why, after chapter 12, when Krishna described devotional service, yes. why he comes on chapter 13 start talking about the body? What you said, why we have a body? What is the importance of body? There's why a very good answer for that. I know why we have it. <laughs> <laughs> because. Um, because once Krishna explains, for those who didn't hear the question on Facebook, um, Krishna explains in, in chapter 12 all these beautiful qualities of devotees and, and who are the devotees that, that Krishna, who are most pleasing to Krishna. So Krishna talks about these things. However, uh, as Prabhupada said, 
religion without philosophy is sentimentalism or um, fanaticism. And so once you understand the goal, once you understand the, the state of consciousness, the state of devotion that you are trying to reach, Krishna is reminding you that you can only reach true devotion if you have a solid foundation of what you could call just basic self-realization. So in chapter 13, Krishna is explaining basic self-realization. And, and so devotion is built on that. Otherwise, one can think, I'm, you know, I love Krishna and, and so on. And, but one can still have so many bad habits. One can still actually be in the bodily concept of life. Someone can be, for example, someone can identify with a position they have within a religious institution. Or someone can think that just it's sort of a new trend among some devotees to delve into what I call gopiology. <laughs> and, you know, become a gopiologist and talk about in this verse where, where there was a gopi that stole Krishna's uh, iPhone. Was that, uh, was that Vishaka or was that Lalita? <laughs> and so on. So, hey, there's Manju. <laughs> so, um, so therefore, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen people who present themselves as advanced devotees or whatever, and they seem to still lack this basic understanding that, you, you know, you're not the body. And so therefore, I think Krishna is making a very important point here. Yes, these are the exalted qualities in devotees that that attract me, that 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 please me. And these are the you know the devotees who love me. However, don't forget that to really achieve that advanced devotional state, you have to be you have to be firmly situated in basic self-realization. That's the foundation, basic self-realization. Otherwise, there's the Sahajya tendency or just pretty gross or just the tendency to become a hypocrite or the tendency to think oneself more advanced than one actually is and so if someone is really krishna conscious and really devoted to krishna they will relish these descriptions uh because these descriptions of the body and all that stuff they're actually very interesting and they're especially interesting to those who are who who actually are advanced in Krishna consciousness. And those who say, oh, why is Krishna talking about that? Let's get back to the praying stuff. Uh, there are people who actually don't really have the advancement they attribute to themselves. Because if you're really Krishna conscious, you enjoy this stuff. For example, I once spoke to a so-called Acharya who you know, was popular for a while among certain people who said that, um, Actually, when I was speaking to him one time, he, he, he was uh, so uh, apparently, I mean, from the Gaudiya Math, well, most of the leaders of Gaudiya Math thought he was, you know, not really uh, doing the right thing. But anyway, I met him, you know, in an attempt to create some peace with him and Iskon. And he said, so what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm working on a book about Dhruva Maharaj. So then, somewhat predictably, he said, oh, we don't care about Dhruva, Prahlad, we want to hear about Radha, Krishna, the gopis, and all that stuff and all that jazz. And um, 
you know, unfortunately for his concept, uh, it's stated in our Shastras, like Chaitanya Bhagavat, that the stories of Dhruva and Prahlad were two of Lord Chaitanya's favorite stories, and he listened to them all the time. So that's my, I guess, my message to the Gopiologists, that um, when there's real self-realization, for, for example, in Vrindavan, in the spiritual world, I mean, certainly everyone relishes the love between Krishna and the gopis. However, there's other things going on there. I mean, it's not that the cowherd boys in Vrindavan start putting on saris and, you know, an ankle bells. <laughs> in fact, um, I was in Prabhupada's room one time when he was meeting with these uh, devotees this, who had started what, what, what was called somewhat facetiously the Gopi Bhava Club. But they just wanted to cultivate, you know, Gopi Prema. And Prabhupada said, why are you doing that? I mean, Prabhupada was obviously displeased. He said, why are you doing that? He said, well, because the Gopis are better than the cowherd boys. Prabhupada, oh my God. I've never in my life seen Prabhupada that furious. Because he took that as an offense against the cowherd boys. And, you know, who are these neophytes still kind of, you know, solidly in bodily concept? And they're, and they're saying that this is better than that. The idea is in the spiritual world, everyone is pure. So Prabhupada was so angry that his face was twitching. I mean, he was enraged by hearing an offense against the coward boys. He was enraged. So similarly, I mean, Prabhupada's a pure devotee. He's a resident of the spiritual world. And almost every day of his life, he taught people, you're not your body. And Prabhupada never said, you know, this is really boring for me, but you're so stupid, I have to repeat it. <laughs> Prabhupada never said that. He, you know, here's Prabhupada, a self-realized soul, someone who has completely realized his relationship with Krishna, someone who's seen Krishna, and yet he was enthusiastic as, you know, his whole mission to explain how you're not your body. And he talked on so many things because when you're really Krishna conscious, you see Krishna everywhere. And, and the highest ecstasy is really just doing what Krishna wants and wants you to do. And so because Krishna you know, wanted very much for this movement to get going and Prabhupada was selflessly not trying to, he wasn't sort of a nectar hog. You know, he wasn't looking for nectar himself. He wasn't trying to relish something. He was just trying to please Krishna. He was just doing what Krishna needed. That's the pure devotee. That is the pure soul. That is Krishna consciousness. And so there, and so, and like I said, a real advanced devotee is always happy to hear about these things like chapter 13, because it's great stuff. It's, um, you know, it's about the soul. It's about Krishna's creation. And Lord Chaitanya himself talked about it. So, next question. Uh, what's that? Here. Oh, where is he? But it's not gonna look like the last time he's gone. Wait for him. Oh my god, what did they do to you? <laughs> You're in college? Wait a second. You were, you were seven years old. How did this happen? Oh my God. 
Shocking. Well, this, well, I, here's a real changing body exhibit. <laughs> you just need the Muslim shoes and you'll be perfect. You know, like in the ISKCON changing body exhibit. <laughs> so, do you have a question? I'm so oh, for those who are on Facebook, um, I'm seeing the beautiful deities there in Murfreesboro, Radha and Krishna. So, uh, oh, I should also remind everyone that tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And there's Gorni Tai, beautiful, beautiful deities who manifest themselves because of the extraordinary devotion of the Singh family. So tomorrow I'm going to give a Bhagavatam class about Thanksgiving. And we're going to speak about the glories of Tofurky. <laughs> oh, it is uh, Rocky Mountain time. So it's two hours. So one hour behind you. And it will be at um, 7.30, 35 my time, so 8.30 your time. Evening, morning. Evening, correct, Raj? Morning, yeah, Bhagavatam class. It'll be the Bhagavatam class at the Phoenix Temple. So also on Facebook, we invite everyone to join. So thank you all very much. I guess uh, you so much, uh, We really miss you here. Thank you very much. I miss all of you. Every hold on, let me show you everybody. You know him. Hey, that's hey, that's uh that's Abhishek. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, it's nice to see all of you. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, thank you so much. I hope I'll see you all again very soon. Hopefully, man. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, So, thank you all on Facebook. Thank you for watching. And uh, Hare Krishna. Hope to see you soon.